When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, you know what time it is. It is time once again for another episode of Bad Language. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I'm the podcast producer at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I'm so glad to be here after Steelers' victory. But we do have a guest, and you know my roles. Anybody's allowed in our living room as long as they don't pee on my couch, and I'm going to do the same thing with my good friend Will McFadden. Will's from Believe in Falcons and also the Falcoholic here at SB Nation. So he's family. Oh, what's going on, buddy? I'm doing well, Brian. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. Hey, I'm so glad to have you here. So uh, let me ask you first. So what do you do at the Falcoholic and for Believe? Well, I do uh, a little bit of everything for the Falcoholic. Um, mostly mostly writing, but sometimes I'll, I'll hop on our great podcast, uh, Falcoholic Live or the Falcoholic Podcast. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great site down there. A lot of wry humor. One of my favorite things about Falcons fans is like, everybody gets it, you know, like they, they understand that, yeah, this team might be in the mix, but like, they're not really that good. So like, we can kind of keep it in perspective, have fun with it. And it's all, it's all in good, uh, good fun. And then, uh, with believe in Falcons, I just wrapped up before hopping on with you, uh, our episode. Uh, recapping this game with my co-host Ovi Mahaley, a former oh, uh, yeah. fullback for the Ravens back in the day, uh, and then with the Falcons for uh, for many years there. So, yeah, we just uh, wrap that up, but we record twice a week, uh, previewing the game, recapping the game, and then it's been uh, it's been really great uh, getting kind of involved in in this side of the things as as a former writer. I mean, I guess I still am a writer, but but getting into podcasting is, has been a new challenge. It's been a lot of fun. Well, you know what? I was a DJ first, and nice. then I, then I became a writer, and then I came on to BTSC as a writer. And next thing you know, I've, we're producing so many shows a week. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, like I tell my wife, uh, I can't go to your parents on Sunday because yeah, I get paid to watch the Steelers. <laughs> That's a good reason. It's the best. It's the best excuse in the world, right? Absolutely. So you mentioned how Falcons fans kind of get it. And I know they've been up and down over the years. Uh, you know, there was a situation in like 2016 where really it should have been the Steelers and the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And and that would have been amazing. But <laughs> everything fell apart against the Patriots in the FC Championship game. But we I would have, have that lo- uh, in common. <laughs> and, you know, I was actually at the 2002 tie. Oh, wow. So uh, I, I remember that game well. Michael Vick two times on third and 18 broke my heart. And then Plexico Burris at the half-inch line at the end of overtime on this long Hail Mary from Tommy Maddox. So, and I guess we share Tommy Maddox, don't don't we? Wasn't Tommy Maddox with the Falcons, one of his 8 jillion teams? 
may I mean, yeah, he played for like everybody, right? So there's yeah, gotta be a Falcons so. run run in there at some point. So now I get to check that out. So that's <laughs> that's definitely uh if my fingers can fly fast enough, I will let you know. But if not, uh eh, I, I don't think it matters. It it's it's just uh, we love touchdown Tommy here. So you know what? Come on, let's we have no holds barred. 1997, but it looks like it looks like Tommy was only a was he a off season or practice squad member only. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, the Falcons were pretty well established at, at that point. Chris Chandler, Steve Barkowski before that, but but yeah, I mean, they had the the Super Bowl run a year later, so. I, I don't think uh, Maddox was necessarily in play so much for the Falcons. Well, 2002, that was a, that was a good time for Tommy Maddox. It was one great season in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, lost in overtime in the divisional game against Tennessee. But we're not here to talk about touchdown Tommy or Tommy Gunn. We are here to talk <laughs> about the Falcons and the Steelers on bad language. And one thing I want to talk to you about, you mentioned, and I already said this, but you guys get it. Pittsburgh fans yeah. don't. You know, the last losing season was 2003, and that netted you Ben Roethlisberger. And now, Steve fans don't know how to act. Mm. And starting out this poorly, even though they have started out poorly, but they've come on at the end, and now they're coming on again. The record is now 5-7 and seven at this point. But Steeler fans, we've got half of the Steeler fans pining for a high draft pick. Just a couple of weeks ago, they were at number four. And now they're looking at number 14 and people are wigging out. What are they doing in Atlanta? How do they look at this? Cause there's a chance the Falcons can win the division still. There is. And trust me, there are many, many people who talk about draft picks as well down here. And, and when you have the kind of chance, I think to land in that top five spot, it is enticing. There is an allure to looking at, the best players in college football. And you're just like, man, we could get Caleb Williams or, or Bryce Young or all of these excellent players who are lighting it up on Saturday. But my counterpoint is we consistently see these same teams over and over again, usually picking in the top 10. And really the thing that gets them out of there is usually maybe a coaching change, like what Mike McDaniel has meant to Miami this year. But also they went and got Tyreek Hill in free agency. And yeah, Jalen Waddell, Looks like it's a great pick, but I don't know if he's having this season, if he's the lone guy there. So it takes much more than just a top 10 draft pick to really kind of turn some things around. So yeah, Atlanta's hearing that, but we've picked near the top of the draft the last couple of years. So I think people were more than willing to buy into, all right, like maybe this team can be that weird playoff team that nobody expected to be in there. And they're kind of a an easy wild card out, but Hey, like, we'll take that. That wasn't supposed to be what the Falcons were this year. So they did buy into that. It's just, and this is where I, I think it'll be fascinating for Steelers fans, but you almost have to learn how to watch the game when your team is not very good. Like it, it's a, it's a learned behavior of just expectation management, looking for growth over the course of a season, instead of just expecting the outcome to kind of be a reflection of, the the talent or quality of your team because the outcome is is usually not going to go in your favor if you're in kind of a position that the Falcons and the Steelers are both in. So therefore it's more about the journey than like the outcome. It's how do you get there? Were the teams 
Like the Falcons had been in a lot of one score games and they've been in a lot of one score games against much better teams, but they are figuring out ways to kind of keep it close today. I don't think the Steelers count and, and no offense intended as like a much better team than the Falcons. That is where I would like to see them take that next jump is like putting these teams away that maybe you're in class with, maybe you're better than or slightly a little bit worse, but like figure out ways to win these games and, and, win them more convincingly than they have had their wins. All of their wins have been very close. All of their wins have been kind of right down at the, at the wire. I'd like to see them make that next jump, but like this is growth. And I think that is where a lot of Falcons fans understand. All right. The team wasn't supposed to be here, but now that they're five and eight, now that they've lost a couple of games uh, recently and, and they seem, yes, they're still in kind of contention, but people here aren't acting that way. And people here aren't, aren't really buying that, especially when you continue to lose games. Like there's no real reason to expect the Falcons to kind of come through on the tight and bad NFC South race that they find themselves in. So that is where you're starting now to really, really hear the calls for Desmond Ritter to kind of start the last four games. And I think, I think that there's a better chance than there has been all season that that will turn out to be accurate and that he will end up getting some play over the final four games that was a question that i had uh, down the line for you that was towards the end of the show so i'm gonna bump it up right <laughs> now yeah so yeah there's been a lot of thought that this could have been the last game for marcus Mar mariota at this point you know the pittsburgh steelers we saw this as fans in week four in the middle of week four against the new mm -hmm. york jets bringing kenny pickett in and there was a lot of talk is are you sacrificing the season when you do it but with five games to go or do they still have a buy left yeah they've got a buy next week so that that adds the whole wrinkle into it right because you have a whole buy to kind of get kenny or not kenny pickett desmond ritter ready because there's a lot of people that were looking at Desmond Ritter as a potential Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback mm -hmm. before the draft as well. So, you know, I definitely understand that. Uh, Pittsburgh's kind of ahead of the game right now because Pickett's learning on the job. And this is, uh, so you're, if you do that, you're only giving Ritter six games, but that seems like a good way to go. Do you, do you feel like that's going to happen if you were going to say your gut is saying that? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Um, I, I do think that, like I said, I, we're as close to that being a reality as, as we have been all season. And, and Arthur Smith has said all year long, like as long as we're in the, the thick of it and as long as the playoffs are a possibility, Marks Mariota is going to be our guy because they still feel that he gives this team the best chance to win the game. And kind of to my point about the one score games, I really credit the coaching staff. I think they've done a fantastic job of grabbing a hold of every game that they've been in and wrestling it into the style of game that best suits how the Falcons want to play and are kind of equipped to play. So the coaching this year has been rock solid in my opinion, but now that they are kind of, yeah, still in playoff contention, but heading in the wrong direction and with a bye week you know, we'll see how tomorrow night, Monday night's game against Tampa Bay and New Orleans plays out, but whoever wins, they're going to leapfrog or stay ahead of if it's Tampa Bay, Atlanta in the standings. And then the Falcons have a bye week. And if those teams win again, like Atlanta's moving further down. So a lot can play out here and the Falcons can find themselves out of it kind of before they play another game, which is why I do think that Desmond Ritter will maybe get the run coming out of the bye week. 
Mike Tomlin said in the post-game press conference that, hey, look, we're not going to take credit for anything that we we did because we didn't force them into anything. The uh the they had some they had some uh you know bad things going on just like we did. They just seemed to have more of it. So what is your, what was your <laughs> knee-jerk reaction of that game? It was, I think, a better performance on the surface for it, or a better performance kind of deeper down than it looked on the surface for Atlanta's defense and a worse performance for Atlanta's offense than people may have thought. I mean, if you look at Atlanta was three of 10 on third down in this, in this game, and it's the third straight game where they have had fewer than 60 offensive plays and they've been absolutely whooped in time of possession recently. So like on their losing streak and with their struggles, the offense has just not been able to, maintain these drives to possess the ball to get these positive plays kind of in a row uh, that this offense is really predicated on. It's all about staying ahead and staying on schedule so that everything is open to them. And Arthur Smith said after the game that they wanted to be a little bit more aggressive early on. And they felt that Pittsburgh was kind of stacking the box, really coming out, to stop the run, which I mean, I don't blame them. And that the Falcons wanted to make him pay with some deeper shots early on. And Marcus Mariota just frankly was not hitting them. And so you can look at Atlanta's rushing stats. Uh, you can look at the the day that Marcus Mariota had, which wasn't the worst in the world. But if you kind of dissect and get down into the granular parts of it, the offense just was bad. This was one of their worst games, I think, of the season. On the other side, I think Atlanta's defense, which you could uh, look at Pittsburgh's totals, and you can look at the day Najee Harris had and and kind of the chunk plays that Kenny Pickett was able to make and, and say, man, Atlanta's defense was was awful. But they did a lot of the dirty work to keep Atlanta in this game and they allowed, or they held Pittsburgh to four field goals when they were in position. I mean, they, this could have been a blowout and Atlanta's defense gets a lot of crap from people because they're, they're not very good. They historically have not been very good, but they do from game to game, give the Falcons a chance here recently. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that Atlanta's defense is now starting to play much better than Atlanta's offense has been over the last probably three games or so. Absolutely. Now, I like to, uh, on bad language, we like to deal on some hypotheticals. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you two hypotheticals. And hey, we're all friends here, so there's no problem. But two questions. And we talked about this before we went on. And I asked you this. Do you think if there was five more minutes left in that game, that Atlanta finds a way to win that game? In your gut? No, no, I don't. Really? I think Pittsburgh was the better team. Oh, I because I, I I think opposite. I thought really? five more minutes, Pittsburgh wins. Pittsburgh loses that game. Yeah. Why? I mean, I just think that would have been a like. Was it the interception that Marcus Mariota threw? Like, what what gave you the confidence that Atlanta would come back in that in that game? If that was the seven minute mark, and not uh, not under two minutes, I don't think he throws that interception. I think they're pounding they're pounding the rock, and they they were doing very well. Now twenty eight yards in the first half was phenomenal for the number six yeah, overall r- running game for the, the Steelers to be able to stop that. But then they, man, as Mike Tomlin said in the post game, they got tight, which <laughs> means they tightened up and tightened up, not being a bad thing. They, the, uh, the running game tightened up and did well for Atlanta. So yeah. I, sometimes I've got a, you know, Mike Tomlin, he'll say something. He uses tight a lot. And sometimes you have to, 
you have to explain what Mike Tomlin's thinking because he's got all these Tomlinisms that we love to talk about. If if you ever get a chance to listen to him about painting the barn door red, if you got red paint, <laughs> and oh, I, I love Mike Tomlin. He's oh one yeah, of my we, favorite coaches. I, I I absolutely adore him. But there's sometimes he's just not giving you anything. And then, but with he was open. He was like, yeah, the, we like I said earlier, they did not. We did not do as a team. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin quote anything that uh we didn't do anything to win that game and so there's a lot of work to do so i just kind of felt with an extra five minutes they're going to continue to pound it and they're going to get in there and they're not forcing those throws so that's just me the second hypothetical and man i i said this the other day on the preview it's a shame not to see this guy in that game kyle pitts is in this game Mm. do you think it's a different story there's there's a there's definitely a chance that it is. Um, and I, I think that you you talk about if if the Falcons have seven more minutes or if there's seven minutes left, they're they're running the ball and, and that gives Atlanta the best chance. They had that drive, right? They had that drive to start the fourth quarter. And they had a very similar drive against Washington late in the game that obviously ended in in that tipped pick that kind of cost them that that win. They did everything that they wanted to do offensively to milk the clock in the fourth quarter, to march down, to get into the red zone. They scored a touchdown and there was a penalty that called it back. So the Falcons kind of did what they had to do to to win this game. But unlike how they've done all season, they shot themselves in the foot. I mean, multiple times during the broadcast, they they showed the graphic that, uh, you know, the, the Falcons had the fewest number of penalties and and penalty yards and all that stuff in the league. And, they really had some costly penalties today, but you know, I, I think that if Kyle Pitts is in this game, maybe they have one or two opportunities where young way was very busy to hit today, kicking a field goal. If Kyle Pitts is in there is a third down converted that keeps the drive going that ultimately ends in a touchdown. And maybe that is the difference in this game. Yeah. I definitely think that that's a possibility just because of the type of player that he is, but he hasn't been that, kind of dominant all season long. And it's not because of Kyle Pitts. It's more because just the nature of the offense and Marcus Mariota and some of the limitations that he has at the quarterback position. Who on the Pittsburgh Steelers do you feel could be a future all pro? It's a really good question. Alex Highsmith. (laughs) Alex is the guy that gets overshadowed by number 90, Uh, but he still does it. Let me ask you about Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. What what are your thoughts on Kenny Pickett? And, you know, we talked about the difference between Kenny coming in in week four and maybe Desmond coming in, you know, with five, six games to go. Yeah. So where do you see him as a pro? That's uh, yeah, it's always the big question with with a rookie quarterback. Right. And, and I remember the Matt Ryan start uh, coming from Michael Vick, which was such a singular experience. And I remember thinking, you know, after everything that happened in 2007, I was like, man, football in Atlanta is just not going to be fun anymore because we don't have Michael Vick at quarterback. And then they draft Matt Ryan, who felt like this milk toast, just like white bread quarterback who was more in the mold of a Chad Pennington or a Peyton Manning than certainly a Michael Vick. But then once he started playing, you saw a gutsiness, a grittiness, a kind of competitiveness that manifested itself in athleticism that I wasn't expecting. And you could just tell how much he cared and wanted it. And the Falcons obviously had a great start to his career. And he had a lot to do with that. I watched Kenny Pickett and I 
couldn't help but think of Matt Ryan and kind of that rookie year because Kenny Pickett plays with uh, like a, I, I don't want to just keep saying like grittiness and, and gutsiness, but like that's true. And, and you can feel the willingness that he wants to have for this offense to make plays happen. And I think you see that most clearly when he's throwing it to George Pickens and he's like, yeah, is, are you covered? Sure. But I'm going to give you a chance to make a play because I trust you. And I think you're a really good player and I'm going to put my guys in a position to prove that they're awesome. And Matt Ryan did kind of the same thing. And so I look at both of them very similarly. And I think that's a great sign for Pittsburgh fans because we obviously see what Matt Ryan's career has been. Is he playing great right now? No. Is, is he going into the hall of fame? That's questionable. That's borderline. But I think even getting to a borderline hall of fame career is a great, great start uh, if you're talking about a quarterback that you draft. So I think Kenny Pickett has a bright future ahead of him. Wow, something I love to hear. You know, the uh, the one problem with the Steelers all year long and seemed at the beginning was the offensive line. Even, even when they drafted Kenny Pickett, the thought was it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's They're just going to get this guy killed. And it seemed like that was going to be <laughs> prophetic. And it turned out that now... With Kenny Pickett not only not throwing an interception the last four games, and the fact that Najee Harris has picked it up, a lot is pointing to the offensive line, and the offensive line is really cleaning things up. So it's it's one of those situations in Pittsburgh where there's a lot of excitement that if that if you can get the running game back in the equation because the running game seemed dead just a few weeks ago, (laughs) and now with Najee Harris, it seems like it is I mean back. So yeah. with that being said, well, I appreciate you coming in. We're going to go ahead and uh, take a break and we're going to be accountable for all of our predictions. And some of them are bold and bizarre. And, you know, I was going to keep you, keep you around and see if you wanted to uh, you know, hang out with me on this as we look at some of the predictions that we made as an entire team at BTSC. And you might enjoy bold and bizarre because some of them are absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, <laughs> We'll we'll just let you throw in whether that was a good pick of ours or not. So we're going to be right back here on BTSC. It is bad language. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and we will be back right after this to quote the great Dusty Rhodes. No hot times, daddy. Oh, yeah, on the subway train. That is the Jerry Cherry Band. I got to tell you this, Will. That is one of our listeners. The Jerry Cherry Band is somebody that we took from the live chat, and he gave us access to his music. If you do want to check out some good stuff on, like, iTunes, look up the Jerry Cherry Band. This guy is from New York. He is absolutely fantastic. Listen to all our shows. And uh, you, it was stuff like that, the worst-looking man. And sometimes I feel like the Steelers – are the worst looking team you've ever seen. But if you listen to Jerry Cherry, he says, I'm not the worst looking man you've ever seen. So that's what we're hoping with the Steelers and the Falcons as well, because I think Steeler fans really enjoy, it's not a rivalry, but enjoy every time four years comes around. There have been some dandy games. And I, I remember, gosh, I was just talking about the other day, how Algie Crumpler. Dude. Oh man. Now we're talking in, in 06. Three touchdowns. Yeah. 
just like absolutely incredible. And that was just an amazing game in 06 where the, the Falcons prevailed. There was some crazy stuff going on in that game. And of course, I told you about me being at the tie. I remember the uh, overtime game. Do you realize that this te- these two teams from 2002 to 2010, three games, all overtime games? Wow. I did not know that. Yep. One, one, and one. <laughs> one was a tie, one was a loss, and then in 2010, it ended up uh, overtime Richard Mendenhall with a 50-yarder in overtime. But that was a crazy game. And l- let me ask you this. Who was the Steelers' starting quarterback in that game? It was week one, 2010. Oh, man. Um, that is a great question. I. It's probably not Ben Roethlisberger. It is not. <laughs> Ben was on suspension. It was not Charlie Batch. It was Dennis Dixon. Mm. There so you go. There you go. You're not. I would get never that... in a million years have guessed that. You're not going to get that 20 seconds of your life back, but you could. <laughs> you might find somebody that you could awe and amaze with that fact. So there you go. So <laughs> with our predictions here at BTSC, we do you do predictions every week for the games at Falcoholic for the for the yeah 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 for uh, the Falcoholic definitely. All right, so with a Falcoholic, and uh, actually, I'm sorry, with the predictions, one thing that we do here is we have our own predictions here every single week. I do bold and bizarre predictions, and I'm trying to pull them up right here as we speak. Man, Brian, you are not prepared for this, so, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you don't call it bad for nothing. I, I've, uh... So here we go. Let's go ahead and take a look at everybody here. The staff picks, we go ahead and we go on record. And, you know, sometimes they're, uh, it's very homerish, but we try to pick a winner with the score. So, uh, Jeff Hartman, our senior editor, was Steelers 27, Falcons 20, Dave Hartman 27 17. Some idiot named Brian Anthony Davis said Steelers 39, Falcons 33. Well, that's a high scoring game. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about that guy? Like, <laughs> that's stupid. I want what that guy's having. Yeah. <laughs> I can give you some recipes. Um, we have KT Smith, the coach, um, going 23-20, Steelers. Jeffrey Benedict was Steelers 21, Falcons 17. So far, the closest, I would say. Uh, Big Bros Grow, Rich Schofield, 23-20 in favor of the Steelers. Shannon White, 27-17. We had a 34-24 with Jeremy Betts, 28-24 Bradley Locker. Did anybody pick the Falcons? No, I'm looking here. <laughs> and this, we usually don't have unanimous. Bunch of smart people over there. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but we're going to give Jeffrey Benedict the uh, the win for the week here. So I think you might enjoy this. Something I do every single week. I do bold and bizarre predictions. And I try to get off of this. I try to say, look, I'm not doing this every single year uh, anymore. Every single week, I'm like, I'm not doing it. But I always <laughs> go back because our editor, Jeff, says, hey, I love it. It's funny because I would always make him laugh. When Le'Veon Bell was holding out, we would always have him do a, uh, since he was an aspiring hip hop artist, he would always go to a, like a local Fuddruckers or a local eatery and nice. sing during halftime and a song about his contract situation. So, um, <laughs> and then we had Bougie Smith-Schuster. I don't know if you know who that is. That's Juju's dog. He, prob- really. he probably has more followers on uh, social media than you and I combined. It's a great name. 
Yeah, Bougie, yeah, he's he's awesome. He's he's a French bulldog. He's uh, but we just fired him from the uh, just a couple of weeks ago because the joke was getting old. Because he would come come back and he would like uh, hump the owner's leg and, the, and uh, it would be all bad. And then Juju <laughs> would have to bail him out of jail. But now that he's in Kansas City, we really can't do that anymore. So we're we try to have fun with this. So I'm gonna get your reaction on bold and bizarre predictions. All right. Let's see how close I was. The first one, the Falcons attempt to beat the Men of Steel for the first time in 16 years and attempt to bring back tight end Algie Crumpler, who had three touchdowns that fateful day in 2006. The 44-year-old Crumpler declined citing he is only in shape to get two touchdowns against the paltry Pittsburgh secondary. Do you think I was close on that? I think that the closest thing that Atlanta has uh, to Algie Crumpler is Michael Pruitt, who got one touchdown today. So I don't think you were too far off the the mark there. Surprisingly, you know, I, I to start, I, I definitely I thought you were way off base on that. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you brought it home pretty nicely. I, I think you were halfway there. It, it gets worse. Michael Pruitt, by the way, I love him. I mean, he was a guy that we were looking at as fans in some of our uh, free agent shows that he would be a good guy to bring in. Yeah, and he's just rock solid. So, yeah, he seems like a Steelers kind of tight he end. Does. yeah. All right, number two, Art Rooney 2, corners Falcons owner Arthur Blank and joshes him because Chick-fil-A, albeit located in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, becomes a fries-up on Sundays because the Georgia-based chain always takes this day of the week off. The two owners make a sandwich bet for the loser to provide the winner either a lifetime supply of Pittsburghers from Primanti Brothers or Chick-fil-A <laughs> fries. Do you think those guys made that bet? First off, a great, great call on the waffle fries because that is by far the best part. It's it's waffle fries, sweet tea, and then the chicken in, in my Chick-fil-A power rankings. The waffle oh, fries wow. are, are where it's at. Uh, and then the sweet tea is great as well, but... Little What's... fun fact is uh, in the in the press box, you I have had a Chick Fil A sandwich on Sunday at a Falcons game before oh. in the press box. So it's they're mm. not. Yes, they do convert it into a, uh, a generic like fries place on Sunday at at the stadium. But you know, maybe maybe us blue checks on Twitter we get a uh, we get treated special. Uh, oh, so, box, so. <laughs> I gotta apply for my blue check then. I... Yeah, that's that's they they check your they check your badge at the door, make sure you can get the the Chick Fil A sandwich. But yeah, they probably made that bet for sure. That's that's awesome. Have you ever had a Permani Brothers sandwich? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh! I mean, like they always show it, like Sunday Night Football when they're showing the local cuisine yeah. inside the stadium. They show them making it. I mean, this is fries and slaw on top of like. A gigantic sandwich oh wait maybe i have maybe i have uh, you know what i played the one time that i've been to pittsburgh beautiful city i freaking love um pittsburgh it was for a rugby tournament wow uh, yeah i played i played rugby on a, on the all south travel team uh my senior year of high school so wow. we traveled up to uh to pittsburgh and i do think i had a pamini's brother because it was a big like yeah with the coleslaw and the fries and everything and it's like cut right in half and yeah it's huge I do think I had that. Thank you for jogging my memory. Good. I'm glad you did because uh, they are absolutely. And we phenomenal. had Bob Evans for breakfast. Okay. Do you have Bob? I'm sure you have Bob Evans in. No, we don't. Down south, where are you from? Atlanta. Yeah. We've, we, There's Cracker no Barrel. Bob Evans? It's, it's Cracker Barrel down here. Well, we have Cracker Barrel too up this yeah, way. Just, but... 
Bob Evans hasn't. We do like I'll get Bob Evans like mashed potatoes at Kroger or something, the grocery store. Ah, uh, yeah. To, to take home. So like we we have it, but there just aren't like Bob Evans off the highway or something down here. So let's go ahead back to the Bolton Bazaar prediction. Speaking of sandwiches, Ben Roethlisberger calls a press conference to remind Kenny Pickett that he had a sandwich named after him. And he's probably doing that on on his uh, podcast, Footballin'. Have you ever checked that out, Footballin'? I have not listened to a full episode. I am aware that it exists, um, but mostly because it was referenced recently. I'm trying to think of exactly what, but like, yeah, a, a podcast that I do listen to did reference it. So I'm aware that it exists. I've, I've not gotten around to listening to it. <laughs> That's it's actually a pretty good show. Pickett goes 22 for 34 and excuse me, 22 of 34 and 220 yards. The Steelers QB one throws three touchdowns and stretches his interception free streak to four games. Well, not quite a few of those are correct. Yeah. Pick, Pickett was actually 16 for 28 in this game, 197 yards and one touchdown, no interceptions. So yeah, a little bit right, but not, not completely. Yeah. A little bit there. Um, I again, I think whatever the the Steelers did, kind of four games, five games back to to reorient themselves. Maybe it was during the bye week, but to stop giving up as many sacks as they were previously, when there were like six sack games at a time for this offensive line, and for Kenny Pickett to avoid the turnovers that he was having early on, you know, three turnover games, things like that. I think it's really, really impressive. So. The interception streak continuing, the, the non-interception streak, I think is the biggest takeaway because this game, again, the Falcons just wrestle these games into what they have to do to, to keep them close at the end. Like that has been their defining style. So I don't think that that's too much a criticism on Kenny Pickett that he didn't you know throw three touchdowns. You guys in Pittsburgh, man, y'all were really expecting a high-scoring game here. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that no interceptions is a better sign than the one touchdown is maybe a, a reason for concern, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that. Let's talk about tight end Pat Fryermuth. Nine <laughs> you went off. Yeah. Nine receptions on the day. <laughs> Didn't have that many, but it felt like it, right? Yeah, I mean, with with the yardage, he only had three receptions, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 76 yards. Yep. Yep, 76 yards. Um, Fryermuth, what's your thoughts on Fryermuth as far as uh potentially being a top five tight end in the league mm, top five is i think iffy a little bit but i i would feel comfortable putting him in kind of like that mike gesicki um maybe the way like zach Ertz was for a long time there in philly where he's in that solid like second tier you know and i just think that if he can be what Heath Miller was for, for so long there in Pittsburgh, that's a win. Like I would take that at any day of the week because Heath Miller was very much to me what like Algie Crumpler was here in Atlanta, which is just a really solid, reliable, dependable, definitely down in the red zone near the goal line. Like that's where you need him to be. Pat Fryermuth has more athleticism than that, but I don't know if he's in the like George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. He's not as athletic as a Kyle Pitts, although I would say that the Pat Fryermuth's track record is at this point better than Kyle Pitts's, even though Kyle Pitts has more of the upside that you would look for. Um, but Pat Fryermuth was the, my biggest concern coming into this game. I kind of thought that the Falcons would figure out a way to take away George Pickens, which they did. I, I, I thought that they would be willing to let Deontay Johnson 
beat them, which they kind of were. He had 11 targets in this game. Uh, but Pat Fryermuth was kind of my X Factor wild card. And I thought that if he got loose a couple of times, that it would be really tough for Atlanta to slow down this Pittsburgh offense enough because they really had to take him away and make it just Deontay Johnson. And they weren't able to do that enough in this game. So I think a lot of Pat Fryermuth. I think he's a really good tight end. Well, that's great to hear. Let's talk about George Pickens because this was a big deal for him coming back to Georgia and mm-hmm. playing in this game. I, I'm going to start with the joke first, and then we're going to talk seriously about George because <laughs> everybody loves George and, and Pittsburgh. But there's something that happened today that there's some concern now. So I want to ask you legitimately what you think about that. But let me go ahead and, and do the joke. George Pickens catches a touchdown and to celebrate the score and 49th birthday of Michael Jackson. Pickens grabs his crotch and does a moonwalk in the touchdown zone. Upon learning that it is merely the birthday of English footballer and manager Mike Jackson, number 14 builds a time machine, comes back to this very moment to throw fish and chips into the crowd. Um, George Pickens did not score the touchdown. And you were looking to build a a time machine now to not come on the show, I could tell. but (laughs) but, I was like, um, that was an elaborate. That was just, there were levels to that. I, I appreciate it. It's basically a fun way to do this day in history, you know, or birthdays or <laughs> so we, we do that every week with somebody doing an elaborate celebration. Um, but no, really. So George Pickens did not have a touchdown in this game. Mm-hmm. Did not really have uh he was really upset and you could tell he was angry at the, uh, the coaches on the sideline and he only had two targets in this game, which is for a guy of this caliber, just awful yeah so one reception two yards two targets that's really not what you expect of george but they did the falcons did a great job of shutting him down one how did they do that and two should Steeler fans be concerned because you gotta understand in pittsburgh there's always the worry about the antonio brown factor and with somebody mm-hmm. going off and uh and just being too much of a me guy. So with that being said, what are your thoughts on the situation with George Pickens? And please tell us not to worry. <laughs> I need to look at the, the all 22. And that's the number one thing that I'm, I'm going to be looking for is did the Falcons take George Pickens away? Or was this a, you know, a, a day when Kenny Pickett just saw Deontay Johnson more, or saw Pat Fryermuth in front of him more. And, and the two targets thing, I can't tell if that is, again, an indication that Atlanta just was denying any potential to get the ball to George Pickens. And was that the key game plan? But then there were also moments throughout the game where I see A.J. Terrell on Deontay Johnson or I see A.J. Terrell dropping in his own coverage. And and there he is on on Pat Fryermuth as as the ball is kind of thrown into his area. Like, I don't think that they necessarily took their top corner and then a safety and just double teamed. George Pickens all day. So that is a little bit where I want to go back and see, all right, was this intentional or was this just a product of, of how the game unfolded and, and Pittsburgh didn't do a good enough job of getting George Pickens the ball when there were looks available, which may speak to his frustration, especially like he's played in this building so many times. Think of all the sec championship games that George Pickens has played at Mercedes Benz stadium. Like this is a building that he is comfortable in, that he has had huge successful outings in before. I think George Pickens is a really good player, but the key here, and and I wonder if this, I'm curious to see, I guess, how this 
unfolds because he hasn't actually like fulfilled the promise that I think he has at Georgia. He had flashes and moments where, yeah, you were like, this dude could be a top five draft pick. Like he's that good at wide receiver. He could be a Julio Jones in this league. He's that good, but he was never healthy for full seasons. He was suspended to to start his senior year. Like there have been long stretches where George Pickens was not available for the Georgia Bulldogs. And that's the reason why he slipped and, and went late in the draft. Like he did to you guys. So I, if I'm the coaching staff, the way that I would handle any type of diva mentality is like, you got to earn that ability to act that way. Right. And Antonio Brown ended up being that way. But I, I think what we're starting to learn about Antonio Brown is, is maybe there's more there than than we believed at the time in Pittsburgh. And and maybe it was more than just disgruntlement with the team or with his, his playing time or his targets or so like the way that the Antonio Brown saga is unfolding is, is unfortunate. Uh, but I, I think that it would be really surprising if another player kind of went down that path. So I, I think George Pickens is a great talent. I think that the future is extremely bright for him. It may be a little bit early to start the Antonio Brown comparisons. Well, that's what I was thinking. That's what I'm hoping, but that's been coming up a lot today. Look, I get it. You're in your, you're in your home where you've played so many times yeah. and I'm sure there's a lot of people there supporting like uh he wanted uh, to have a big game for sure no question but uh, you know the the Falcons also did not want him to have a big game and they know I'm sure next to uh the AFC North opponents I would think that Atlanta probably knows him real well just for where he played and yep. that was the same, you know, Pittsburgh knew Kenny Pickett going before the draft. That's why they didn't spend a lot of time looking at him because <laughs> they had a few years to look at him. So yeah. I, I get that. But, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, I'm i worried about the whole Antonio Brown situation for Antonio Brown because I'm afraid it's going to end up tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why you got to understand a lot of people are gun shy about George Pickens. But that makes me feel a whole lot better. Let's go ahead and quickly do the rest of these. Jalen Warren scores his first NFL touchdown. Nope, did not happen. Najee Harris gains 90 yards on the ground and scores Ooh, a touchdown. Wow. Really close. He did not He did not get the touchdown. He had 86 yards, though, on the ground. 86. Not mm-hmm. not that bad. I've, I've been doing well with Najee, just because uh, these are my own. I've been doing well with him, but I can't get out anybody else, right? <laughs> um did I mention the Steelers get called for only one illegal man downfield penalty? I don't think they got any this week. Are the Falcons struggling with that? No, the Falcons have been, by and large, really good with their penalties this year. Um, uh, they, they've they've been rock solid. Today was kind of unusual. They had six, and that's the most that they've had in, in a while. Yeah, you know what? That's uh, that's one of those situations here that the Steelers are just used to that, that illegal man downfield penalty every single week. <laughs> so for that not to happen is fantastic. Uh, Steelers get three sacks, one by TJ, one by Ogunobi, one by Arthur Millette, none there, just one by Cam Hayward, who saw his brother score his first NFL touchdown today. Minka Fitzpatrick, DeMonte KZ, hey, that's a Falcons guy. Yeah. And uh, and Cam Sutton intercept Marcus Mariota, but the Steelers def- defense still surrenders three touchdown passes. Nothing happened right there. I even had nope. Sutton with this, the pick six. I did have Mika Fitzpatrick getting the interception, though. There you go. So, so I'll take that. And there's a <laughs> lot of people were complaining about you know him not going for the pick six. It's just like in that situation, that's a smart player. Just go down. Yeah, I mean, those people clearly 
Uh, well, I mean, it was Falcons minus one, right? So Steelers covered regardless, but but yeah, they they may have had some some type of money involved in that one because it was the smart play. It was the right play. So with that being said, I'm definitely wrong on the score. So that wraps up Bold and Bizarre. And one of the last things that we do here, Will, is we go ahead on our flagship show. It's called The Preview. It's with the two editors, Dave Schofield, Jeff Hartman, and myself, uh, the podcast producer here. We do this show, and we take six over-unders every single week. And currently, I am actually leading, which is a shock because I'm really bad at this. But I'm (laughs) leading 44-42-40. So if you go ahead and look at this, we'll go through these quickly. Pickett completions 21 and a half he had 16 Schofield was the only one with the under Pickens receiving yards mm. 55 and a half two guys had the over I took the under he only had two <laughs> Pat Fryermuth, um 50 and a half receiving yards we all took the over we all get the points Thanks. Deontay Johnson targets oh gosh this is a guy that is targets kind of a- Wow. Targets. This guy's in the doghouse here. We had the over under at six and a half. He had 11. Yep. Targets. So we all took the over. We all took the one. I was hoping with zero targets, but that's just me. Um, defensive sacks, two and a half. They only got one. Hartman was the only one to take the under there. Let's see. As far as defensive takeaways. We all took the over. It was one and a half. They only got one. Nobody gets the points. Everybody had the Steelers winning, so they get the spread points there with one. And the over under, now it looks like uh, looks like the two fellas, Jeff and Dave, were under, and I took the over, so I don't get the points there. It looks like Hartman wins the week. Five. Oh, no. Actually, it's a tie. The editors, they <laughs> – they get the five. I only get the four, but I still hold on to the lead. If we take a look at this, I'm at 48, 47 to 45. There you go. I'm, I'm clinging on. Will. I'm clinging. It's like the NFC South over there. <laughs> exactly. Nothing to brag about. Well, <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, we really appreciate your time here. You know, I thought it was a really good game. I really think that there's something to build on in Atlanta and I'm going to be watching them because I got to tell you, don't like any of the other teams in the division. And so <laughs> I'm going to, you have my stamp. You personally oh, have I my stamp that. and I know that and, and maybe five bucks will get you a Starbucks or, or maybe get you waffle fries. So there you go. Hey, there you go. I'm just excited that the Falcons are certified bad. there we go i like i gotta get a little stamp thank you so much (laughs) all right buddy we are gonna get on out of here um thanks so much make sure that you go ahead and check out coming up last well last night you had the the post game show with jeff dave and myself and then this morning let's ride with jeff hartman great episode where he had winners and losers later on today we're gonna have the hangover i'll be on that show with Shannon White and Tony Defio tomorrow morning from the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict. And at noon, you are going to get another episode of The Fix. And that is going to be with Jeremy Betts and also the incredible and comparable Andrew Wilbar. Scobro shows tomorrow night. So much stuff going on here. Mike Tomlin press conference recap on Tuesday too. Wherever you download your favorite podcast, please Go ahead and do so. So we ask you to do three things. One, 
be safe. Two, be true to yourself. And three, always be behind the steel curtain. This has been Bad Language for Will McFadden. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. And I tell you what, we're not apologizing for nothing.